Just like that, the second hour is here. Friday edition. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. People are are out here partying. Cinco de Mayo. Taylor Swift's in town. I mean, it's yeah. just a Friday. It's a weekday. Weekends here. Uh, we're gonna make sure that you get to your weekend faster over the next couple of hours. Looking forward to uh, discussions coming up. We've got Guns, Mike Gunzelman from Outkick.com, who <laughs> brings Wait, when you first said that, I was like, oh, in- yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Gun Show. <laughs> uh, I should clarify. Thank you, Charlie. Brings the energy. He'll be with us uh, in a, about an hour and a half from now. Uh, and uh, in about 20 minutes or so, Steve Ashburner will join us from NBA.com. He's in Philadelphia for Game 3 this evening as we will see the 76ers and the Celtics in what's been a really good series. Uh, Charlie Arnold in for Chad Withrow, uh, who will be back with us on Monday. He returns from New York, and Charlie's headed back to New York yep. uh, for uh, work over the weekend and then back at it, of course, next week. Um, Tommy Tuberville, I mean, he is known for getting after it. Head coach at Auburn, um, Cincinnati, among other stops. And last time he joined us, he was like, Senator Trouble, he goes, please call me coach. And I love that. We'd be back in SEC country. And uh, great guy. And uh, he agrees with us. And I, I'm curious to get your, your take on Megan Rapino uh, and where it falls in line with Senator Tuberville's comments. You know, if the Rapone girl is just talking about where she's retired now out of soccer and she was a pretty average player, but she she was an activist and, and this mainstream media gave her a loudspeaker to divorce her opinion. And that's fine. But the problem is, if she's voicing now her opinion that hey, trans boys should be able to to compete against women. Well, if that would have happened during her career, she'd have been working at Safeway or Piggly Wiggly. She would have never got right. the deal. But now that she's retired, oh yeah, I'm all for this. And that's the biggest bunch of crap I've ever heard. That you know they stand up supposedly for for all this activist stuff, but they don't stand up for what's right. Uh, you know mm-hmm. what's right in this country. It's just the main point about this is it's not fair. It's not fair to girls to know that they're going to be playing for second or third. You know, this Leah Thomas says, well, you know, it, you know, she beat Riley Gaines and, and everything is working out fine. You know, it's nobody should complain. Riley Gaines is five, seven. Leah yeah. Thomas, six, four. You don't, you think that's fair that they are, they're out of their mind. I mean, but the whole country right now is just going nuts. Senator Tupperville there on craning company with the daily wire, making those comments and uh, Megan Rapino, uh, not technically retired. She's in the NWSL currently. Uh, playing for the rain, I believe, uh, but nonetheless on the back end of a career and is certainly uh, on the opposite end of what we discussed yesterday with, with Riley Gaines and, and Riley brought her up yeah. in, in conversation. It's saying, unbelievable. It, it, for, for someone who has promoted and stood up for women's rights over the years, for Rapino to then turn around and state that yeah transgender boys should be playing if they want to with women's teams is ridiculous charlie where do you come down on this and what do you make I come of down what? on it the exact same stance that you just came down on it yeah. that the exact same stance that senator tuberville or coach came down on it i think it's ridiculous that megan rapino who was championing women and their ability to be equals to men and have their own space and have equal pay and everything. She was always at the forefront of all of these discussions as it pertained to women and their rights to be equals. And now suddenly, uh, now that she has stepped away from actively playing, you know, in terms of, you know, she's still, you know, in a sense, the NWSL uh, playing in that. But it's just interesting that, you know, why weren't you saying that 
biological mention of the right to play when it was your spot on the Olympic team that could have been up for grabs. Uh, why are you now just talking about this? It just seems very strange. I have to wonder what the incentive for her is because on one hand, you know, she really pushes for women's rights, but she's also a big advocate advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, which I understand. So it's like, you know, is there something that's getting in the way of the other and why? Because at the core, you're still a woman uh, and you're giving up a lot of opportunities for women in the coming generations should this pass. And also the success that they fought so hard for that you fought for for women. It just none of it makes sense. And I agree that I think that if this were to have gone into play when she was still really fighting for her to career to pick up success, uh, she would not be in this position. Maybe she wouldn't necessarily be working at the Piggly Wiggly, right. uh, but she would not be an Olympic Olympic soccer player, probably. Well, and, and the, the idea, I mean, what we didn't hear there from the senator and what we haven't said is uh, anything that's transphobic. And that's that's now the, oh, the yeah, line it. of talk. It's is the buzzword. And, and, and criminal is the other thing. It's a, it should be a crime if you're against this, that you, you don't believe that uh, they should be allowed to play against women. I, I, and also, I think that, uh, that's not we're talking about just simply fairness of this. And I think that's where uh, the, the discussion really gets off course when you start the debate of, oh, it, they want to identify as a man or a woman as a biological opposite. Mm -hmm. um, that's not where the conversation is, even with Senator Tuberville. He's just saying, like, it, no, you shouldn't be playing against women as a biological No, man. I mean, there's so many advantages and people can say all they want of, oh no, there's some women that are really fast and strong. And okay, sure, maybe there's one in, you know, in the the, the large bunch that, that could go toe to toe with a guy, but the vast majority of men are stronger, faster, have better endurances, have longer limbs, have more muscle mass, uh, have more stamina. Uh, their chemical makeup, the way that they, their testosterone, you know, pumps through their body. I mean, it's just, there's no way to, to compare men no. and women in terms of athletics. And I think it's also a good idea to bring up the example from a few years ago in 2017 when the boys' under-15 squad from Dallas uh, had a scrimmage against the women's national team and beat them 5-2. to two. So this is the best women female soccer players on the planet, and they were obliterated by 15-year-old boys. I mean, what does that say? It's just the that, way it goes. Uh, and it, I mean, you're talking about kids who can't drive right they yeah can't get a this, driver's license yeah and th this isn't the guys a lot of these 15 year old boys that we're even talking about right now in, in the larger conversation leah thomas was not a 15 year old boy that was a grown man mm -hmm. uh who found it acceptable and, and a lot of people found it acceptable to have her inserted into women's competition and then win a national championship where where leah thomas was not competing well against the men Exactly. And very mediocre. And all of a sudden rose to the top against of men. the ranking. Exactly. And it, 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 Riley Gaines tells the story. It's like, it, I'll, she will never forget when they were sitting there with her coach at Kentucky going, Who's Leah Thomas? And all of a sudden, we're, who's this pin swimmer? Oh, I know. To have to like dig through the yearbooks and the, and the website and say, Oh my gosh, this is Leah Thomas. Yep. And it really was what was once William Thomas. I mean, to be able to come to that you know, epiphany. I just can't imagine. I would, I would have been furious. I actually commend Riley for being as poised as she was in those circumstances, because 
I look back to how I was when I was younger. I mean, even still now, I would be, I would be infuriated uh, to realize that all of the hard work and dedication that I had put into my craft mm -hmm. uh, didn't matter at that point because a man was going to enter in and just completely diminish everything I had worked for. And right around the 50th anniversary of Title IX, this is all going down. Yeah. And, and we're looking at Riley was an amendment to Title the, IX, perhaps. It, Riley, Riley was the villain, not the victim. Oh, yeah. I, there was a, Riley actually told us yesterday that there were several media organizations that she reached out to just wanting to come on and share her side. Mm -hmm. She wasn't looking to diminish anyone else's viewpoints, but she wanted to have a platform to come on and say, here's how it felt from a firsthand perspective, which she should, she should have that platform because no one can speak to what's happening like someone who has actually gone through it firsthand. And she was told, there is no room for you to spread your hate here. And that's how a lot of people are viewing it as her viewpoint is hateful. Right. And it's, it, she's not even given the opportunity to share her feelings, which I think is just so wrong. And no one's bringing up the fairness of uh, aspect of this. Uh, when I say no one, I mean, those that matter are overlooking Absolutely. It. The vast majority of the public sees the common sense in this. Yeah, but no one uh, wants know, to speak up yet. Hopefully that changes. Yeah. There's uh, only a few of us who that's are, right. who are uh, courageous enough, we'll you say. Know, and Chad's got two daughters. You know, he's, he's thinking, like, if this happened to one of my daughters, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not taking the field there, just based on the fairness of what that is supposed to mean. Absolutely. And that's the, a lot of the comments I've been getting in, for these past few weeks. I've had a lot of men reach out and say, thank you so much. As a girl dad, uh, I am very appreciative that you have a voice to speak up on this. And even, you know, same thing with women. You know, a lot of people understand how detrimental this is to women's sports, women in general. It's a very slippery slope. And, uh, you know, you just have to hope that the common sense is able to shine through Charlie, sooner or later. You don't have to take into account where you are with the recency bias of, of Nashville, okay? But Nashville has specifically been mentioned as a possibility for an expansion franchise in Major League Baseball. Yes. I don't think MLB needs to expand uh, immediately. They're going to move into the Las Vegas market through Oakland. The A's are moving mm -hmm. there. But, I mean, I, I like where Major League Baseball is in terms of teams and the number. I'm comfortable with it. Um, I do think Nashville is a perfect fit for that sport and the fan base that could be here. Orlando is already putting their name in the hat. They, they're proposing a $1.7 billion stadium that they'll build. And Salt Lake City and Montreal have also been mentioned along with Charlotte. I'm curious, your top two cities, if they expand by two, where you would bring MLB to and why? Uh, I have a new city I'd like to throw into the hat. Okay. And that would be my hometown of Indianapolis. Come on, why not? Indy's got to make a bid. Indy, uh, yes, but here's Indy. I, I implore you <laughs> to make the bid. Why not? In, Indy is, we've seen, such a, has such great sports culture. Uh, the fans really stand behind the teams there. Uh, I also think that Indy just, in terms of a geographic location, uh, it's 
not hasn't been represented. It has really no baseball representation except for the Indians, the AAA team, to the Pirates in Indianapolis. And people turn up really well for those games. And not to mention, Indianapolis is a very walkable, easily accessible city. All the hotels, all the restaurants are nearby, all of the different uh, stadiums and arenas. And I imagine the ballpark wouldn't be too far off from there. I think Indianapolis is the perfect home for those who right now have to turn to either the Cincinnati Reds or the Chicago Cubs uh, for their baseball team. Let's go, Indianapolis. What are you waiting for? And, I mean, and the, regionally, that's always owner-wise, ownership-wise, they, they have tried to block, uh, like, Nashville getting a team because of the Braves, the Reds, and the Cardinals. Everything's within driving mm -hmm. distance, right? Especially Atlanta. So you've got to have all the owners in place, and you have to build that massive stadium in the proposal. Uh, by the way, it would be the Orlando Dreamers. Yeah, That's I'm what not uh, Orlando. I think is a horrible idea. Okay, Orlando's a very transient city. I lived there for six, seven months uh, when I first went to go work for WWE. That's where they first had me, and it is just—I don't know. It's missing an identity, Orlando. I mean, all it really feels like is it's Disney World and then you're just living in the surrounding areas. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel like Orlando doesn't feel like anything living there. And it's just already super congested. And I, I don't think and the that, airport's horrible. It's ho horrible. It, the Orlando airport is the best form of birth control I have ever <laughs> witnessed in my life. Best. Yeah, or just getting on a plane with a crying baby. Well, yeah, there you go. But, that's that's well, one that's of the Orlando. reasons. Yeah, that's Orlando. Uh, Nashville Stars. Where do you come down on that name? I like I like that. So I the like Nashville it. It Stars. Nice that's a throwback to the Negro Leagues from the 40s and 50s. That uh, Nashville Stars played in the Negro League. So I like th it. That was that. That's why they can. Nashville uh, Orlando Dreamers is playing into the whole Disney. Yeah, I, I I like it, and I also yeah Orlando Dreamers is lame. Just like Orlando Magic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't need any more of that. But uh, I also like Nashville as a geogra geographic location. And I know you talk about, you know, you have to get all the owners on board because of the proximity to other teams that already exist. But but the commissioner's Nash mentioning Nashville, yeah, so I Nashville, think they are. But Nashville's such a booming metropolis. I mean, it's it's only getting more and more popular. And you see all, like, same thing with the fan bases I, I talked about in Indianapolis. Same thing about the fans here. They stand behind the teams. They come out strong for the events. Yes. Uh, geographically, it just makes sense. You can walk to things easily here. Uh, the cost, you know, you, want, you don't want places where you feel like you have to shell out so much money, too. Like, Nashville's reasonably priced to, You're right too. you know, I, get around and accommodations. The stadium needs to be in the downtown footprint. Yeah. You're right. right? Somewhere on the river yeah. would be perfect. Absolutely. But the, the Titans are building that dome, and that's going to be, what, 2027 when they open that, and they own 300 acres over there. Nice. So that's another That's exciting for Nashville. Salt Lake City, uh, they eh. strong push though from them, uh, and Montreal. It, I mean, that makes sense as well, given the fact that Montreal left and you know, the Expos are no longer there, and you could bring that back. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I, I don't really have much to say on Montreal because I've never spent so much time there. Uh, I've only been there for a few days in total. So your number one is Indianapolis. Yeah, I have to right. I'm number two, Nashville. Yeah. Thank you. There Let's we go. bring it. Uh, MLB. And, and what are yours? Uh, Nashville, I think, is absolutely in my top two. I, I don't hate the idea of Montreal getting a team back. Okay. Don't hate it. Um, absolutely no to Orlando. Uh, Charlotte, non-factor to me. And Salt Lake City, I mean, I... I just, I just don't see a team being successful there. They have a larger TV market, though, than like three or four current teams. It surprised me. 
uh, in the in Major League Baseball, which is also part of the pitch. Okay. Where for because MLB is going to expand to you know not going to have the regional sport ne- sports networks moving forward, and Major League Baseball is going to take over that aspect and sell it. I think similar to what NFL is doing. Okay. With NFL Plus and Red Zone and other things. It's the way we're moving. Yeah. Oh, like UFC. Exactly. All, yeah. that's, how, that's what I mean. Every major sporting uh, organization is moving in that direction. College basketball, college football, never going to be the same uh, with NIL. Uh, case in point is Hunter Dickinson, transfer from Michigan who has selected Kansas. That's not a surprise. What is a surprise, though, is the fact, Charlie, that he was like, hey, Kentucky was very high on my list, but he wanted the money guaranteed up front for name, image, likeness. Show me the money. And the pay-for-play aspect. Um, all of that's legal as long as it's coming through the collective. And when it comes to the Jayhawks, they put up the best offer. Now, I attended one of the first events um, for NIL for Spire Sports Group, and they brought in some of the players that they had landed. And Joe Milton was there. He had just transferred from Michigan, so I can tie this in to Hunter Dickinson. And I asked him, he was in, in front of SIDs and members of the athletic department and others. Mm-hmm. Hey, why did you choose Knoxville over the other? He's like, they offered me the most. I can make the most here. Straight up in front of everybody. And that's when I knew the landscape of college sports is completely different than it was literally five days earlier. For sure. Prior to July 1st of 2021. And now you're seeing it where you have a graduate transfer, which means even though he's transferred already, he can transfer again after graduating and play immediately. Went to the highest bidder. Can you can you blame him? No, no. It's a, I mean, I, absolutely not. And if you if if I'm a player and I haven't entered the transfer portal, I'm doing that. Even if I'm going to return to the team I'm I'm currently playing for. Because then I can open up. I'm a free agent. Yes, yeah, see what your options are. I can open up negotiations. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is a lot of uh, players, you know, when they were in high school and dreaming about where do I want to go on to play. You know, there's there's the legacy programs that yes. come to mind first, and they think also where can I win a championship? Who am I going to be surrounded surrounded by? But now there's the additional factor of how much money am I going to make, and can I still achieve the same goals? by going to this school, then somewhere else, and make all this money on top of it, right? I can still stand out as a player, and both. then I can make all this money. And, and live the life. And live the life. I, I, have, I see nothing wrong with it. And if I was an athlete in college, I'd be doing the same thing. I'm also stunned about the Kentucky aspect of it, <laughs> yeah. where Calipari and company couldn't guarantee it up front or refused to. Uh, sounds like something Saban what, would do. Because yeah. Saban's always said, hey. Is that a principal thing? Saban's always said, you can make as much money as you want, but you've got to earn it when you get here. I'm not going to guarantee the five-star high school senior or junior whenever they commit that he's going to make X amount. He's got to come in here and earn it first. I wonder how many programs will be able to get away with that. Alabama will be one, I think, because it's Alabama. I mean, there's just... As long as Saban's there. Right, exactly. But how many others do you believe have such a strong reputation that people are just dying to go there so much to the point where they would actually sacrifice the dollar amount to be able to say, I play for Alabama? Four or five, probably. Um, You know, Arch Manning is not... His family's not letting him accept NIL until he actually I starts. I saw that. Until he starts. 
That's that's also interesting, but I guess you it's know a typical Manning move. And know? and also I feel like just knowing that I'm him, I could be like, you know, worst comes to worst, I probably have a nice little nest egg <laughs> yeah, coming my worried. way. He's not worried at all. Uh, hey, we, NBA playoffs. Normally, wake me up whenever the conference finals tip off. Not the case this year. Very entertaining series, even in the opening rounds. And now everything from Golden State and L.A. to what, New York and Miami and where our next guest is for Game 3 tonight in Philadelphia as they take on Boston. Steve Ashburner will join us from NBA.com. We'll hit the top headlines across the association next on Hotline. Glad you're with us today as we broadcast on this Friday at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Where's our Where's our beer moonshine? It's oh, Friday. Shouldn't we have something coming? Oh, especially on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, what's going on? Come on. Well, you said you like wine. You don't like beer. No, I, I never said anything about not liking beer. Oh, okay. I never said I, said I like wine. That doesn't mean I don't like beer or oh. don't like moonshine. I mean, I... Don't get it twisted. Well, Come we'll, on. We'll crank it up then, Let's Charlie. Let's do it. Charlie Arnold in for Chad Withrow, who returns on Monday. Uh, well, I'll put the order in. I'll Thank put you. the order in. Steve Ashburner joins us from NBA.com and joins us from Philly in what's been a very entertaining series between uh, the 76ers and the Celtics. Steve, thank you for the time, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, glad to join you. And uh, it is interesting. I'm really looking forward to game three and, and whatever comes after that because the first two have been pretty um, uh Pretty, pretty uh, memorable in, in their own right. No doubt. Uh, and, I mean, really the start of the playoffs have been that way for me. I I said earlier, wake yeah, me up. the board. Wake me up whenever the conference finals begin. That's normally my reaction to the early rounds. Not the case this year. No, and I think there's, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, I don't know what you think about the play-in round, the... Um, this artificial thing to determine the seventh and eighth seeds. I think it works for the league. I think it suppresses tanking talk for a few extra teams all season long. I think that it gives us, before we get into what traditionally are some big mismatches, one versus eight, right. two versus seven, it gives us some urgency, some one and done or two and done. And, you know, that's sort of what's your appetite. It's a nice appetizer for what's, uh, what's to come. And then, of course, we had teams – playing from underneath in the seating that you wouldn't have expected to see there, whether it's, you know, Miami, Golden State, LeBron's team, um, you know, so that spiced things up for the early rounds to the point that we've seen upsets. We saw the number two seed in the West get upset. We saw the number one seed in the East get upset. And so uh, it has been fairly compelling. And this round is, is right there. So on that note, because there is so much to talk about in each of the series, uh, Steve, which storyline do you find to be the most intriguing that we're seeing right now? Well, um, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm eager to see whether Denver can prevail over Phoenix. They're off to a great start. Um, you know, all this, all the speculation about Jokic and could he be a third time MVP, why he should or shouldn't be, whether he deserved those when Denver's record the past two years was, was not all that great. They finally did what they, they were supposed to do. And they, they seized the regular season. They had the best record. They got the top seed. I think they're getting better 
with each round so far and with, with each playoff game. So I just think seeing Denver, you know, making its way to potentially the first finals uh, appearance in franchise history, you know, that that's pretty interesting to me. And I don't know how sexy that is compared to LeBron versus Steph. I know. I was a little surprised you said that, but Uh, I respect it. I'm on the inside. And so I want to see a team sort of take its strides and get where it needs to go. Because if, if Jokic doesn't get beyond this round, for instance, I mean, his star is going to fall some. There's going to be a lot of criticism, and you know, there's already been plenty for that guy. I just think it's a, um, it's a, it's an interesting basketball series to see a team coalesce around him, and and the, you know, the the role players truly, you know, be supportive in how they perform. Don't know if you agree. I don't, I don't think of Denver first off when I think of the teams that I'm tuning in for automatically. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But yeah. do they feel pressure? This is supposed that everybody, for the most part, came back. They've built this roster. They've got the back-to-back MVP before this year. Do they feel the pressure to win it? Because right now they're they're playing the best. They're up 2-0. All the other series are tied. I think they I think they should feel pressure at least to get to the finals. I think that this um, you know knock on the door kind of a thing. Um, you know that that sort of window uh, doesn't stay open forever. I think that you know they've been talking about having continuity on their side for a couple of years, two or three years. Yeah. And that's longer than most of these NBA teams ever have. So, you know, how long are you going to come back with a pat hand? I think that's a little bit of what we saw with Milwaukee and why they decided to fire their coach is that are we going to run this, this movie over again? And I think Denver is approaching that, even though they don't have that peak of a championship yet. Do they make that movie Milwaukee without Giannis knowing about it? Are you kidding me? You think they would make a move of that magnitude well, without the superstar player, um, yes. at least in form? You think they would? No, 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 I don't no, no, know. no. I'm agreeing with you because I. Oh, okay. Because after they won the finals, Budenholzer and and Giannis were talking about running it back. He signs in Milwaukee. He stays there. That was a major story, given what we had seen over the last decade with players leaving and you know forming super teams. And two years later. The coach that he decided to stay and sign with is fired. I, I just find it really intriguing. Well, you know, up until they won that championship uh, a couple of years back, mm-hmm. uh, there was there was a lot of dissatisfaction with uh, Mike Budenholzer and some of his tactics or lack of tactics when it comes to uh, changing things up, trying different things. Now, I, I don't think Giannis had his finger on the uh, button of the ejector seat. I think that he was, he was certainly uh, in on the loop did he throw himself in front of that, uh, you know, to stop that on, on Budenholzer's behalf? Obviously not. Um, just as I think that he'll be consulted uh, on on whoever it is that replaces Mike Budenholzer. And he may not be the guy who green, green lights the hire, but they're not going to hire somebody that uh, Giannis isn't convinced can be good for that group. What's up with the back and forth play of Anthony Davis? Can you explain this to me? One game on, next game very passive. And when you start to look at the stat line for him, uh, Steve, it's it's alarming. He can go from 11 to 40, and it's every other night when he's putting up big numbers. We didn't see that, and the Warriors took uh, uh, took this recent game last night, and they've tied the series. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, uh, until this playoffs, I guess the the big storyline with Anthony Davis and and his lack of meeting potential has been about his injuries. 
And now you've got this with the up and down um, production when he is actually on the floor. I think they're all sort of, uh, you know, different parts to the same issue. It's it's his body. He seems like he has a college basketball uh, durability in a uh, professional basketball scheduling. And so, you know, if he, you know, he had several days off prior to that game one in this series and he put up, you know, magnificent numbers was, you know, the force behind the Lakers victory. Uh, not so much. And I, I covered uh, games in the Memphis series where he was hot and cold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a tough thing to overcome. And LeBron is not at the point anymore where he can just have everybody climb on his back when Anthony Davis is awful big and and carry them. You know, he, he can't just turn it on like he, he did maybe, you know, four, five, six years ago. And uh, we'll give uh, another player the excuse of having an injury. But Joel Embiid, uh, do you believe that in game three he's looking to have a big bounce back game? Well, I'm sure he would love to, and I'm sure the Sixers are hoping they, that he will. I think that was behind their their decision to play him in game two. It seemed early. Um, given what we were told about uh, his progress in, in recovery, he hadn't done any running just two days before that. And so for him to go out there, now he doesn't sprint up and down the floor. He goes from foul line to foul line for the most part. But um, I, think, I think as it turned out afterwards when they talked about, well, he was going to come back rusty. Might as well get the rust off in a game that we can afford to lose. They'd already won the opener in Boston. They got the home court advantage. So tonight you've got the MVP ceremony before tip off. Um, yeah, they would love for, you know, vintage Joel Embiid to be out there. I think if he's a little bit more uh, in timing and rhythm and doesn't re-injure, then that has to be considered a success regardless of the outcome tonight. How great is it going to be for the league if the Knicks advance and get to the conference final against either Boston or Philly? Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it. You know, when you have big markets like that and there's such rivalry in those franchise histories, whether it's the uh, the Celtics, Knicks, or or uh, the, the 76ers and, and Knicks. Um, but you know, I, I happen to think it's going to be tough. I happen to think that uh, Miami is, is in control of that series. Um, they're not a, a great Miami team, but you've got Jimmy Butler coming back, mm-hmm. I presume. Um, if not, if not, you know, in the next. By the way, uh, how long of a gap has there been between games <laughs> in that series? It's like, is, are we sure that one's not over? Yeah, but, I know. You know. I think the next game tomorrow, will be back. right? Tomorrow's yeah, next yeah. Uh, so we can we can look forward to it even more. Um, but Butler will be back, and you know, Eric Spolster is so good. I mean, look, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. Um, he he can play chess with Eric Spolstra, but. Uh, I think that, that Spolster's in charge of that. Miami does what it does so well. Um, the Knicks have more talent, uh, in my view. Um, but with, with Julius Randle not 100%, Brunson's had some, you know, some dings. And uh, it's going to be difficult. If, if that series could go six or seven, I'll be, I'll be happy. But um, I'm not sure how well the Knicks are going to survive in Miami. I can only imagine what ticket prices are going to be oh, because yeah. it's game three in Miami <laughs> the same weekend as the Miami Grand Prix. Formula One, so uh, it's oh. going to be the richest of the richest all and coming. And uh, Florida <laughs> Panthers, down. too, exactly. against Toronto. There's a lot going on. I bet ticket prices are going to be out of this world. I'm the last guy to comment. I've been a professional freeloader my whole life. <laughs> that's that's a good place to be in. <laughs> yes. uh, Mike, I, I bet that is a tough ticket, but I, my guess is it's the, it's the Warriors and Lakers series that's the toughest ticket to find. And it... it and, yeah. In terms of legacy, Steve, Steve Ashburner with us from NBA.com on the Outkick Network. Whose legacy gets a bigger boost from advancing, LeBron or Steph? 
I, I happen to think it would be LeBron. I think that he's the guy who's more into uh, counting rings and we're more into counting his rings because, you know, that's sort of the, um, uh, you know, one of the last remaining hilltops uh, mm-hmm. in, in his chase of Michael Jordan. Um, you know, we haven't really put that sort of burden on our expectation on Steph Curry. And he is, uh, you know, last last spring, he snuck his way to a fourth ring and, you know, good for him. And based on the way he played and we and he's played so far in these playoffs, we're we're talking about his place among all time great point guards. But with LeBron, it's it's, you know, all time greats, period. And um, that's a higher level. And I think LeBron, uh, who's to say when he'll get this close again? You just can't presume things with uh, with his advancing age, uh, even though he, you know, sort of argues against that. And, um, you know, Anthony Davis, we just talked about him and, you know, how reliable is he uh, with each subsequent year? So um, I think it's a bigger deal for LeBron if he can get past the Golden State Warriors you know, that sort of um, momentum with this Lakers team. And good for them. They, they remade themselves on the fly this season. Um, we could see him in the finals again, at least. So Go, if, sorry, if sorry, the NBA has it their way, which teams do we see in the finals? If the NBA has it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you know, David Stern used to say he wanted Lakers versus Lakers. Um, I think, I think, uh, I think they option. would settle. No, I think they would settle for Lakers, Boston. You'd have two, two franchises that are uh, tied for all time uh, championships with 17 apiece. It would be, um, it would be, uh, you know, a great storyline for them. It would involve, obviously it would involve, you know, both coasts and, and probably the two more storied franchises in league history. So, you know, uh, I prefer the, the ones that change it up a little bit. I'd love to see Denver and Phoenix or, you know, um, whomever, but uh, yeah, for, for the league's sake. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, the old familiar um, green and uh, gold would be the way to go. Steve, do you think we see John Morant get his act together and, and actually become I mean, he's got the he's he's a great player. Does he become one of the greats in the league, or is everything off the court going to play a factor and hold him back throughout his career? It's an open question. I don't know. Based on what we saw this season, um, you know, I think he took a couple of steps backward. Uh, obviously, it got he got called out for it. Um, he said the right things. I was surprised the suspension wasn't longer than it than yeah. it was. And, um, you know, I'm not sure how much, um, you know, you, you learn when, when the penalty is not a little more severe, um, you know, he's getting old, he, he's growing up, he's getting older. And so you, you hope that some maturity and an understanding of, you know, what he means, yes, to him, him and his family, but to his teammates and to the league um, would, would dawn on him a little bit more, you know, Memphis was, Kind of precocious, and that was fun. And they would lipped off, you know. They they trash talked, um, but they didn't back it up. And you know, they the last thing they needed was John Morant troubles when they had Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark go down. So um, you know, Dylan Brooks sort of deflected from that, I guess. And and Morant's um, you know uh, intense spotlight, but um, yeah, it it really is going to hinge on on Morant and um, whether he. He wants to be a face of the NBA and get the Memphis Grizzlies where they talk about going. Yep. Were you a part of any of the the two games where Brooks did not speak to the media? 
No, I was I was in Memphis for the game. I was standing right in front of him when he said the things about LeBron. Okay. And and I had a little thought bubble in my head while he was talking <laughs> that, oh, this is a big mistake. You, not, you not do smart. not want to be doing this. Yeah. I mean, you will be made to pay for this in however many ways, whether it's LeBron in the next game sticking it to you, or as we now see, potentially his his status with that team has been um, you know, sort of thrown asunder. So um yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was the wrong time, the wrong thing, and and uh, just tone deaf to the situation. Which of these series? I like him as a player. Well, but and, and every I, I think I would I would want him on my team, right? Uh, yeah. But not as much as yeah. Draymond. Draymond backs it up, and with Brooks, when he he's, if you're going to talk the trash, you got to average more than 11 points in the series, and you've got to show up and speak about it. If you don't do that, instead of letting your teammates do right. that, and that right. that's where right. I mean. He, in, in large parts, he embodies what Memphis and Grind City is about, that, that attitude. And if they move on from him, to me, that speaks volumes. Yeah, I mean, the way it has been put out there, you know, under no circumstances, I mean, I, that, that's really bad form. I don't see what's in it for the player, and I don't even see what's in it for the team to um, be that demonstrative and open about um, we're not going to resign this guy. I mean, they're, they're sort of kicking him to the curb. Mm -hmm. It's only May. All you have to do is let him go elsewhere in free agency, or just talk about the fact that he's priced himself beyond what you care, you care to uh, spend. Um, because not only does it hurt them if they lose Dylan Brooks and his 30 minutes a game and his defensive inclinations and skills, but it hurts them for the next free agent they talk to because that guy says, well, are they going to get fed up with me and, and you know, uh, burn my butt uh, uh, in public when things don't go well for a few games? So it's it's not a good approach. It's not a professional approach. And I think uh, the Grizzlies front office or hierarchy, um, you know, needs to really rethink that one. Steve Ashburner has been our guest, senior writer at NBA.com. He's in Philadelphia covering 76ers and Celtics, a uh, game that tips off in uh, a little under three hours from now. Steve, thank you so much, man, thank you so much. for the visit. And uh, we'll hopefully catch up soon as the playoffs progress. You mentioned the days in between games. We've got, a, what, another month left of these playoffs. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. If you like it, you know, enjoy it while it's here. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. There's Steve Ashburner there. Great visit there. And uh, plenty of storylines, Charlie. Lots to talk about. The more, more so than I think we've had in – Quite a while. From storylines to the weirdest stories that Davey Hudson can find. He digs these up weekly. And uh, we'll get Charlie's reaction to some strange ones, including uh, Nicolas Cage and a memory from the womb. At least that's what we know. A great long-term memory then. Can't, can't wait to know the details of this. That's next on Hot Life. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Charlie Arnold in studio, guest hosting today. And, uh, yes, yes. You are about to witness one of the fastest growing segments of the show. It's called Let's Get Weird with Davey Hudson. This is perfect. I feel like this is tailored for what I'm all about. Get to it. <laughs> Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Weird! Get weird! Weird! Get weird! 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 weird. 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 weird.
I don't think this will be what you're all about, but okay, we'll see. Don't, yeah, don't, we'll you don't know me. I don't want to judge. You don't know me. You've, don't only, had, you've only had one and a half shows about with me. About to find out. Charlie, I'll, uh, we'll ease into this, kind of like taking it slow and steady to start. Right. We're going to start off with one of my favorites, <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is back in the news. Why? Well, because uh, he went on Stephen Colbert's show, and when talking about his earliest memory, he recalls being inside the womb. Now, I bring that up. I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on when you remember uh, the first time you remember just anything from your childhood. It's also just a great opportunity for me to push Nicolas Cage, who I, I honor every single day. I mean, if you look at this photo, I just stole this straight off my dating profile. Make sure the guy gets his, his praise where it can come from. How's that so, working out on the profile? Seen better days. So, <laughs> Are you getting a lot of swipes? So is he. Um, Affirmative swipes using such oh, photos. Oh, he's swiping so, a lot. Some good, some bad. Okay. <laughs> I remember the days of swiping. Um. Total, That's for another day. Total BS on remembering the womb, okay? <laughs> well, I think we all agree there. Um, but I know people, Charlie, who remember being like a year and a half, two years old, and they swear oh, by I, it. I don't remember anything. Oh, you, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually was just... It's funny that we're bringing this up right now because I was just having this conversation with my mom a few days ago. Okay. I can recall specifically... So we moved into a new home when I was three years old, and then I lived there through the rest of my childhood through high school and then I went away for college I can recall the condo that we lived in leading up to the move when I was three years old and I I specifically I told her I was like you would walk in the door turn to the right there's this go straight there's this this and I laid out the entire condo for her she was like you're serious and I was like I remember every single thing I even remember being in the kitchen and like getting in the lazy Susan and like spinning myself around when I was a tiny little baby I, don't I swear. I, I'm born so in 84. I, I don't remember anything until 1988, 89. Somewhere in there. Well, your memory is just, we got to sharpen it up. My first memory is my grandmother. Maybe we should give you some psychedelic drugs and it'll take you back to your youth. Uh, maybe. I'll, I'll do the Aaron Rodgers treatment. Is his memory <laughs> yeah. great? I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, my, yeah. my grandmother, uh, she was 55 and she would be 5'5 five, five is 55. That's all I remember. That's my first memory recall. Um, and I'm a proponent of not throwing massive parties for kids until they're going to remember the fact that you threw them a massive party themed around spending a ton of money for it. Like, I'm not, you're not taking your kid to Disney. I don't have kids. You're not taking your kid to Disney unless they're going to remember it. And I think far too many parents go to Disney for themselves and they bring the kids along. Oh, absolutely. Along. And it's also for the dressing of the kids. You know, they put them in designer duds. You know, you see kids wearing Gucci or even not even something up to that level. But things that just cost way too much for a baby to grow out of yeah. in a matter of weeks. But it's, <laughs> it's again, that's for the parents, right? They want to have yeah. the photos. They want to show you off to their friends. And it's, but being in the womb, you know, as much as I like to say my memory is fantastic, um, not, not womb-like. Although I feel like this corner with the red light, you know, in the, bit of darkness that could be reminiscent of the womb or hell <laughs> I, I was three and i remember an amish convoy going by and i remember thinking then that even seems stupid to me now uh but <laughs> moving along so with that being said there are only two things that i can't stand in this world all right and that's people being intolerant of other people's cultures and the dutch so well done with that said my next story we're going out to the netherlands we got a guy who has this number, we don't have an exact figure on it, but he is a sperm donor that allegedly has over 500 kids, but a court in the Netherlands has just ruled that if he donates again, he will be fined 110,000 US dollars. Now this guy's name- What has he made off of donating his sperm 500 different times? And I'm sure there's some twins in there. So, I mean, don't you get paid for oh, this? Oh, absolutely. Oh, That's yeah. why he does it. Uh, there was but a- the, he If he does it again, it's 110K. <laughs> like, is, it, is he getting 
Has so, he made more than 110k off of this? I, I honestly, they didn't give me any of the figures of what he made <laughs> off of this. The guy's name is Jonathan Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. It's actually Jonathan no. Jacob Meyer. Mayer. I don't exactly speak yeah. Dutch, so Look I don't know the guy. pronunciation. He's 41. I mean, I knew it was Dutch. <laughs> like, there's a windmill in the background just as soon as you see it. But yeah, the court ruled that he couldn't donate any more because over fear of. Pretty the much whole just, country being his well, it's incestuous type relationships, and a lot of these people you don't know that you're related to them. So it's like this guy's just got like 500 kids in the in the general area. So they had to kind of step in on this one, and that's that's where I we're mean, at. I think we should keep a close eye on the paths that his offspring take because I'm sure that yeah. there will be some incest. It's like the royal family after somewhere this. in there, and yeah. that would be rather interesting. And this guy is who? You, is I mean, do you see a photo of this dude whenever you? Uh, you know, it's no, I think the it's, samples given. I think it's I mean, I've, never, I've just, just never heard of having to pay $110,000 for get. beating off. But I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Coming up, uh, well, Charles Barkley, I'm sure, has gone down the path of discussing whatever Davey just said. But uh, he's probably done it inside the NBA. Who knows? But he's doing something even more disgusting. We'll tell you what that is. Plus, Jalen Rose is running his mouth again. <laughs> 